You're listening to The Lightwalker's Path with Serena Myers, the podcast that sparks real, raw, honest conversations about what it actually means to live a spiritual life. Serena is a sacred soul mentor who guides people to tap into their heart's truth so they can live their lives with purpose on purpose. Welcome to episode 32 of The Lightwalker's Path. I am your host, Serena Myers, and I am super, super excited for today's topic. I'm excited for all the topics, don't get me wrong, but this one is a little bit of a celebration. It is my husband's birthday week, um, and so I wanted to come on and share an episode about manifesting a lifelong love. Now, um, some of the things that I'm going to talk about are going to be a little bit different than things that you may have been hearing from um, other people around how you go ahead and attract the love of your life. But um, I do want to kind of share my experience. And like, you know, I'm saying it's a lifelong love. We've been together for seven and a half years now. So I know that that's not quite lifelong. But uh, in quickie marriages, I'll tell you the full scoop on that in just a second. That's actually kind of an eternity. So (laughs) let's just go from there. Now, um, before we get fully started, if manifesting a lifelong love is something that is high on your priorities for this year, or um, that you're just working on cultivating bigger, newer, brighter, shinier things in your life, I want to make sure that you know about an event that I've announced called Vivid Visioning. There is two iterations of it. It's happening with the new moon in January, so there's a version of it that's happening online the evening of January the 24th, and the uh, in-person event that's happening in Vancouver, BC is happening in the afternoon of January the 25th. So in either case... It's a two and a half hour event, which is kind of part workshop, part ceremony. So yes, you're going to have some of the usual trappings that you expect to see at this time of year. So magazines and scissors and glue. However, there is a lot of ritual that's involved, a lot of intuition that's involved, and it's a a beautiful, sacred process. So last year it was online only. We're doing it in person this year, and I am so excited for the magic that we're going to make. So I'll make sure to put the link to that in the show notes, but you can also just head over to my website, serena.ca, and you'll be able to find an invitation to join us there. Cool. Let me tell you a little bit about what I was like as a single gal, and I'm saying this as where I was at at the time that I met my husband as opposed to single in general. So it took me a really long time, actually, to get really comfortable with being on my own. I had a really full life. I had a career that I really loved. And I was really in this high vibe kind of purpose-led way, not on purpose. I didn't consciously choose that, but it is kind of the way things were unfolding for me. So it's pretty early on in my spiritual path. I was a few years in and um, things were just in that place where they were lining up and aligning for me. Now... In the months, and let's be honest, years leading up to this, I was the queen of bad decisions. So I got involved with the wrong men. Um, I used to joke that my type was unavailable. So men who were far away, men who were not interested in me, gay men, and married men. Those were my perfect type because honestly, even though I was saying that I was longing for a relationship... I really was trying to find these ways where I could kind of almost pretend that I was in a relationship without actually going all in and being vulnerable and exposing myself in that full, real, raw way to another person. Of course, if you told me that at the time, I would have denied it because I was someone who considered herself to be like an open book. But with the benefit of hindsight, I can tell you for sure that that's what it was. So I was kind of cautious. 
So my last big relationship had ended when I was 20, almost 25. And at that time, I, it's funny now, but I actually thought that that was like my last chance at motherhood and that that was the only time I had for a serious relationship. And I met my husband when I was 32. So every time I would have one of these very big, very dramatic, very ugly breakups, I would go back to the drawing board and I would just start thinking about all the things that I hated about this person and how I would, these things I would never tolerate in a, in a partnership ever again. And I didn't use the term partnership because I don't think I ever really had a true partner before I met my husband, to be honest. But I will use that word now. (laughs) I probably would have said relationship then. Every time I would end these relationships, I was really focused on the negative aspects, so all the things that were wrong. The first actual rituals that I ever did were fire ceremonies. I started doing them when I was maybe my late teens or my early 20s where I would actually have a little metal bowl and I would write down on pieces of paper the things that I wanted to let go of the rela- from the relationship. And this wasn't something that I learned. It was just something I somehow inherently knew to do. So I would sit outside and I would cry in the dirt and I'd be really messy and muddy and I would be having what I didn't know were fire ceremonies or rituals and I would just release. And that was really beneficial. But again, every time, and especially if you if you work from law of attraction, they really are, t- are very mindful about being in that negative space where you're focusing on all, all the things that you don't want and you end up attracting more of that instead of being able to focus on the things that you do want. And so even though I was having kind of these different relationships and these different complications in my relationships, I was effectively dating different versions of the same man for like, I don't know, at least 10 years, probably longer. And the first really big shift that I felt was when I instead stopped making it about them I started making it about me. I sat down and I wrote a letter to the divine. And at this time, I was just at the start of my spiritual path and I really had a lot of opposition to anything godlike. So when I said the divine, I meant the divine mother. I was really embracing the feminine. That was kind of what was feeling more comfortable for me. And if you can imagine, you know, the tumultuous relationships I was having with the masculine in my life, it makes sense, right? So... I wrote this letter to the Divine Feminine and my initial feeling when I sat down to write this letter was that it was going to be like a laundry list of things that I wanted in a partner. And instead, by the time I finished it and I had my face was just just streaked with tears, the entire letter was forgiveness of myself, of choosing these men that on some level I knew were wrong for me of the situations that I put myself in knowing that they were wrong, these just little, these little building of betrayals of myself to myself. And all these different things that I was on some level really judging myself for. And it had nothing to do about the men really at all. It had to do with how I felt about myself, about the ways that I was willing to compromise my needs and my values and my ethics. And all these different ways that I needed to show myself more kindness. And I cried. It was snot city. It was really, really messy. And even though I'd been having all these little fire ceremonies for years and years up to this point, there was something in that shift where I stopped making it about them and I stopped blaming them and I started to take responsibility for my part in the mess and then forgive myself for that part. And that was the first really big switch that got flipped for me. 
I then went on a three-year hiatus from men. And I don't necessarily recommend this for people. While it's really wonderful to, um, you know, stay in your lane and focus on yourself, um, if that's something that you need to kind of like, almost like a detox from bad choices from your past, then um, then yeah, do it. But only if it feels right for you, not because you think that it's the right thing to do, which is the reason that I did it. So in many ways, I swore off sex, I swore off relationships, because I thought that that's what I had to do to be a spiritual person. I needed to be chased almost. And here's what happens <laughs> when you are um, a person who is normally very desirous and who is really connected to that side of themselves and you have been denying yourself and you put yourself in a situation of temptation, there is a very, very good chance that you will give in. In my case, uh, my giving in was with a very good friend uh, who I was visiting in another city and things got ultra weird because of course it was super complicated for me emotionally and vibrationally even to have somebody within my energy field again and the friendship ended. I had a lot of regret and I went right back to that letter and continued to forgive myself for making these choices. That self-forgiveness piece, I cannot even emphasize enough to tell you the truth. And if I was going to do that work today with what I know now versus what I knew then, I'd be working really closely with Archangel Jeremiah because that's his jam. His jam is all about forgiveness and those parts of myself that I had you know, betrayed, I would definitely be working with him on reconnecting to. Okay, so after I got to this place of forgiveness of myself and then my big bad mistake of hooking up with my friend and having it go sideways, I then started to get really clear about what it is that I wanted. I also started to really challenge what I believe to be true. So I was very drawn to a very particular type of man. Uh, aside from the fact that they were unavailable, they also had other traits. And um, I started to challenge that. So one of the things that I learned about myself was that I was really intimidated um, about hypermasculine men. Um, they, I didn't feel safe with them is really what it ultimately came down to. And I had a lot of work of healing to do around that. And so I dated like a super alpha dude and he, he was not right for me. <laughs> I can tell you that. But it was really important for me to challenge the way I was doing things because the way I was doing things wasn't attracting the partner that I wanted anyway. So I was willing to be open and switch things up just to kind of play with things and see. And if I hadn't pursued that relationship, I actually wouldn't have recognized that I had some big soul work that had to be done with that archetype of masculine. And so it ended up being really healing for me. Um, but long term was not exactly the best process. So every time I would have these relationships, not just with the alpha dude, but with other guys in general as well, when the relationship would end, I would sit down and I would say, what did I like about that? And that's what I started to build my list out of. And instead of looking at the things that I hated, which is what I had done in those previous lists and in those fire ceremonies, I would rephrase them into things that I wanted the opposite, that I did want to cultivate within a partnership. By the time I finished my list, and, and this list, you know, changed and grew over time because every time there was a breakup, and let me tell you, there were a few, I would come back to this list. And by the time I met my husband, the list was four pages long, I shit you not. Like it literally was four pages of traits of what I was looking for in a partner. And I can tell you, at the time when I met my husband, I thought he was all of them. But now that I know him better, because again, I'll tell you about our quickie wedding in just a second, um, he's 
he's all the ones that really matter. And he is all the ones that over all these years have stood the test of time. Because sometimes it was just what I needed at the moment as opposed to what I needed in a long-term partnership. Now here is the one magic piece of this recipe because you might have heard about different things like vision boarding and whatever in your partnerships and you know how to manifest the love of your life but this is the piece that I feel is often overlooked and so crucial at least if you're anything like I was after I got clear on who this person was that I wanted to bring into my life the next request that I put in my list was and let me know him Let me know him with full certainty so that when we meet, I don't dismiss him. I don't friend zone him. I don't freeze him out. I was notorious for, oh man, for just breaking the hearts of the nicest guys in my past because I was so committed to just these impossible, unavailable, in whatever fashion men. And so I I wanted not just to manifest and attract this person in my life, but I wanted to know without a shadow of a doubt that this was the one. Now, let me tell you about meeting my husband because, oh my God, this is, this is not one of my shining moments, (laughs) but I will tell you because I'm all about the transparency here. My husband and I met on this old school internet chat from before ICQ, from before AOL, like we're talking black screen, white text, that's all there is. Now, I had been going on there since 1994, and the majority of the people who went there have also been in there since the early 90s, because with all the advances in technology today, why would someone go back to this archaic type of technology when everything else is available to them? I did not anticipate on meeting someone who would have a love for archaic technology and who in 2012 would stumble upon this land. He um, he did something that... Um, interestingly in sort of like in that world is essentially um, a solicitation of net sex and I was just like over the men in this realm because I'd been going on there since I was a teenager and I was really tired of their shit so when he had this kind of snafu I went off I called him a lot of names told him to go fuck himself and just was like having none of it now because he was brand new he had no idea that this seemingly innocent behavior was actually a come on So he got super flustered and really apologetic. And then I looked up how old his character was and realized that he was super new. And basically, I was the hugest asshole in the entire world. That the first time someone had found this, this, you know, this online space since probably 2000, um, that they got greeted by me, who basically verbally abused them. But there was something about him that I just felt the need to torment. (laughs) I don't know how to say that in any nicer way. I really, um, I wasn't a bad person, I promise. But there was something about him and about how apologetic he was. And I found such a sweetness in his energy. And I think because I have the ability to feel beyond just words on a screen, I could feel the intent immediately. And I just started to tease him mercilessly. Like I told him that we were basically betrothed now and he was stuck with me. And two weeks later, he told me that he loved me. Now, if you've met my husband, he is not someone who jumps the gun. He's very cautious. He's very careful about everything. And the fact that he offered his heart up to me um, is probably the most courageous thing I've ever seen. It was so beautiful. And because I was a bit of a wounded asshole myself, um, I turned it down. 
That evening, I went to breath work, and um, the facilitator came over and whispered in my ear that I, I had a block in my heart chakra. So she helped me to breathe through it. And as it shifted, because I literally felt it like move within me, I was flooded with immense love for myself. And suddenly I could understand that he loved me and that I could see why he loved me and that my rejection of him was really a rejection of myself and that I was so deeply in love with him too. And so I stayed up all night because I was living in Canada and he was living in the UK. I stayed up all night until it was an appropriate hour to call and then I woke him up and told him I loved him too. This is now, of course, we've never met in person. We've had video chats and we've talked all day online, but we've never actually like met in person and touched or anything. And it happened in July. In September, we met for the first time and we met up in Seattle. He flew in and I took a shuttle down and I was a nervous wreck the entire way. And when we got to Seattle, my phone wasn't working and I was late because the shuttle got stuck at the border and I kept thinking, oh my God, how am I going to find him in all of SeaTac? in this crazy space and all these people and I'm just like you know the empath side of me is completely unprotected and out of control and an overwhelm and I hear the words in my head just follow your feet and I'm like what the fuck does that mean honestly like overwhelm and anxiety are high and my guides who at that time I was not actively speaking to say to just follow my feet now you can imagine with an online relationship that you don't spend a lot of time looking at the back of a person's head because you're looking you know on front facing cameras and sure enough my feet walked right up to the back of this person who was standing there and then he turned around and I saw that it was him and then we hugged and in that moment and I honestly I'd had this moment before but in that moment was the confirmation that I was going to marry this man and that I was going to spend the rest of my life with him I just knew it to be true and it was a pretty fast relationship. So that was September or the end of September. He returned back at the end of October and proposed to me. And um, in December, I moved to the UK with him and we were married in March. And that's now been seven years pretty much. So like I said, it's hard for me to necessarily declare it as a lifelong love, but I really don't see us going anywhere. And there has been um, a reacquainting and there has been like a need to really get to know each other with more depth because it was so fast. But honestly, like I feel like we fast tracked a lot of the stuff that, you know, my old wounds anyway, I can't speak for his, but my old wounds would have talked me out of so many times where I would have wigged out and even before we got engaged we had this conversation that was two hours long outside literally outside the jewelry shop where I was going I don't know and what about this and what about that and just like trying to talk myself out of something that I already knew was going to happen and that was in my best interest so I come back to that line and I really want to emphasize this because if you're doing any work around manifesting anything but particularly a partnership the let me know him or let me know them, depending on who you're calling in, is so key because attracting the right person and then having them just sit blindly in front of you while you carry on with your shenanigans is really not going to do you any good. And they always say, you know, it's the cliche that every smug married, as they say in the Bridget Jones universe, couple will tell you is that you'll, you know, when you know, you just know. But there's actually a lot of truth to that. And I don't know if that's because I'm highly intuitive and empathic or, or what it was, but I know that when we hugged that first time, something shifted in there. 
We actually got married twice that year. We got married once for immigration with a quickie wedding in Vegas, and we got married again in front of our friends and family in Vancouver. And when we planned our Vegas wedding, which we planned in two weeks, the initial intention was to make it very transactional. It was just to go sign the papers. That way we could speed up our immigration so that his son would be able to go to school in Canada and all this kind of stuff. And what ended up happening instead was the realness of it. There was something really mm, potent, just this big kind of fell into place and I know that making a sound effect doesn't really explain it but hopefully if you've experienced this type of partnership you know what I'm talking about it wasn't transactional we couldn't just sign the papers and then carry on with our lives there was a realness that happened there now in our time together we overcame a lot of stuff so we had an international move we went into immigration limbo for a super long time longer than we were expected we were blending our families a lot of stuff uh in there i also had a nervous breakdown and i had a lot of oh stuff that just kind of came up with that with this idea that my husband had just married a, a lemon wife is literally what i called myself the same thing you would say about an old car and this is where I can say to you, I believe that this is a lifelong love because we were able to overcome so much stuff that, you know, people might have experienced in their entire marriage together, if at all. And we experienced it all in like the first two years of our time together. It was pretty miraculous, actually. I like to think we just kind of got everything out of the way at once. <laughs> and I really hope that that's the case. Now, one of the funniest and sometimes sweetest parts of the immigration process is when your friends and family write letters to um, the government in support of your relationship. So they basically say like, yes, I've met this person. Yes, I know this to be a real relationship. It's true. It's real. It's beautiful. Whatever. Both of my parents wrote letters for us. And though they were very well intending, the letters effectively said, Whew, we thought Serena was a goner. Thank God for Rob. We're so grateful for him, which, you know, it's a bit of a backhanded compliment. And I certainly was offended at the time, but I find really funny right now because I also know how much they were worried about me. Despite my own okayness with being single, it really wasn't okay, especially for my dad. There was one point in time, uh, particularly when I was on the hiatus and I was really not open to meeting anybody. And I met someone that I was actually kind of intrigued about. And my dad informed me that my standards were too high and that I should really lower my expectations in order to find true love. And if someone ever tells this to you, and if you are looking at your list and it's four pages long and you're thinking, wow, I'm asking for too much here. I really need to lower my expectations. You need to tell that part of yourself or to whoever is telling you from the outside to shut the hell up. I don't care if your list is 10 pages long. You are entitled to want what you want and need what you need in a partnership. Absolutely. And I believe in that conversation, I actually said something quite similar to my dad um, where I informed him. I remember it came up three different times and he was always, he told me I was always pursuing men that were out of my league. And the first time I had to get really snarky about it and say, yeah, well, I always got them. So I guess they weren't out of my league now, were they? And then the second time I had to say something else that was really defensive. I don't remember what it was, but I do remember there being three times. And on the third time, I realized that he was baiting me again. And I took a deep breath and I said, Dad, you don't know what you're talking about. So you just need to shut the fuck up, okay? And he literally never brought it up again. Now, every time he talks to my husband, he does make sure to gush over, thank God he, you know, I found him and that he has taken care of me. 
I use air quotes, you can't see them. They're a little sarcastic, but they are there. Um, but yeah, so he still has that belief that my husband has saved me from myself and from my spinsterdom. But I was honestly okay with where I was headed, to tell you the truth. So those would be my things for you. The first part would be to, yes, like release the stuff from your past relationships. But more importantly is to forgive yourself for making the choices that led to those things that needed to be released in the first place. The second part is to get really honest with yourself about what it is that you desire. Be as specific as you can and do not let anyone tell you that you are asking for too much or that your standards are too high. The added kind of caveat I will add to that is to get so happy with yourself and your life that you would actually be completely fine being on your own so that you have the space to wait for this person then you are to just like compromise your needs and be able to find somebody the happier you are the easier it is to be able to kind of honor those needs and then the last is that when you are putting that list together that you set that very crystal clear intention of let me know them so that when they do cross your path so that you do connect you have undeniable truth within your heart that makes it so easy to move into the next steps. And ideally in your list, you're including that they've done the kind of work either consciously or unconsciously so that they're ready for you too. Because that's super important in a relationship. Okay, so those are kind of my tips for manifesting lifelong love. I know they're not the kinds of things that you find in a magazine or that you can glue to a vision board, but I do think that they are important pieces of the journey in particular they've worked for me and so I would love to see them work for you and again if you want to put any of this to work my workshop vivid visioning is happening January 24th and 25th and you can find all the details on my website serena.ca slash vvl or in the link in the show notes that's it for this week my loves I hope you are having a really really brilliant start to your year We'll be back next week with a brilliant interview with an astrologer from Seattle, and I can't wait to get that episode into your hot little hands. Okay, take care.